Ah, the late 70s and early 80s. The boom years of the video game industry. And my game system was the Magnavox Odyssey 2. Sleek, stylish, futuristic, and totally underappreciated. Let's change that. I'll dig through the Odyssey 2 library, introduce you to each game, offer a few of my own expanded memories of playing them back in the day, and we'll see if those games hold up today. I'm Earl Green, and this is Select Game. Welcome back to Select Game, Expanded Memories of the Odyssey 2. Sorry I'm late this month. Whoa, that actually sounds really bad without any context. Allow me to explain. <laughs> the podcast is late this month. <laughs> no, I'm not pregnant. I know you're disappointed. The podcast is a bit late this month because I have been working my butt off, both at work and at home. I have... Uh, I believe I mentioned in the last podcast that I would have a book coming out soon. It is now available for purchase. Yes. You can get it on your Kindle. You can get an actual book made of dead trees. You can get it just about any way you like. And I will post links to it in this month's podcast post for your reading pleasure. The book is called Fatherhood, Fandom, and Fading Out, and it covers all three of those things. It covers my growing up geeky. It covers that translating into a career which now largely seems to be over in media, in the broadcast media. And it also covers how some of those experiences translate into being dad which is job number one. And I apologize for the podcast being late, but the, the plain simple truth of it is I can charge people for the book, so it kind of had to take precedence. And so the past few weeks have been proofreading and proofing hell. And they are now over. I'm satisfied with the end product. This is the first book I've put in the Kindle store on Amazon, and we'll see we'll see how that works. I I'm a little nervous about the formatting on the Kindle version because you have this little thing where it you know it puts a little simulated Kindle on your monitor, and you can flip back and forth between the pages, and I could flip forward to the next page and then decide, wait a minute, I thought I saw something on that previous page that needs my attention, and I would flip back to the previous page, and it would look different than it did the first time. So <laughs> I'm kind of I'm kind of taking it as an article of faith, really that the formatting is not a mess. I don't own a Kindle, so I really don't have a way to to check it out until the thing is out there. So yeah, that's uh, it's an unnerving prospect that you know, I've pulled the trigger on this thing and made it live because, you know, I got to keep the lights on. And Really, actually, keeping the lights on has not been a problem. It's It's been being able to enjoy the lights being on. I've been putting in a lot of time at work lately, and so, again, I apologize 
for my podcasting suffering for that. But now you kind of know the hierarchy of <laughs> where things go. If I've got a book coming down the home stretch and I can make a buck off that book, yeah, podcasts might be a little bit late. So it'll probably be late again in August. That's when the next book is out. If not before then, we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. So enough about me. How are you? I've missed you. Okay, this is getting really awkward. Let me check and see if we have any news from the world of Odyssey 2 homebrews. I have not seen... Of course, this just, just means I haven't seen. This doesn't mean there there is no new development in the world of Odyssey 2 amateur game programming. I haven't seen anything new since the announcement about Minefield and Shooting Gallery a while back. I think that was that was in our previous edition. I do know that now that I've got the book out of the way, and once I get this podcast done, I need to finish off some cover art for an Odyssey 2 homebrew, which hopefully I can tell you about next month, because if I can get that artwork finished, that game can finally be released. They're, they're kind of waiting on me, and they're being terribly patient about it. So... Uh, hopefully next month I will have you know, kind of an insider scoop for you. That would be nice. That would be nice. In the last Select Game podcast, we talked about Space Games, UFO and Alien Invaders Plus. Two favorites and really the two first cartridges that my family plunked down money for after we did a trade with my uncle to get the Odyssey 2 console basically for free. I'm not sure my dad saw it as a as a free trade because he had to give something up for it. There was a there was a bit of bartering there. But of course the reason that my mother especially found the Odyssey 2 so appealing was oh look it has a keyboard. It's practically a computer. That's great. It can play educational games. So yeah, as this con- <laughs> as this podcast is more or less chronicling the order in which games were purchased. Yes, we are now going to knock a few educational games out because you better believe those were the next ones that were bought very soon after UFO and Alien Invaders Plus. In fact, it was made sort of an incentive thing by my mom that if I wanted to uh, if I wanted to get some UFO or Alien Invaders Plus time in, you know, or some some baseball, if she had time to be player two, then I had to, uh, I had to sit there and play some math and magic, which math was not, not an extraordinarily strong subject of mine, and that's something I covered way back in the first episode of Select Game. And so, it, you know, it was just my luck that we had. <laughs> it's just my luck that we had a math game. So, without further ado, we're actually going to do three titles tonight. 
and one of those is a cartridge with two games on it, a twofer. So, unlike <laughs> the previous two episodes where I rambled endlessly before I got to any gameplay segments, let's uh, let's jump right into this one. Actually, before we jump right into this one, um, I should point out that I had hoped that I could subject one of my kids to these educational games tonight. But <laughs> getting getting anyone to sit down and play a nearly 40-year-old console game with dad, that's hard enough. You know, you tell them, hey, and by the way, it's a math game. <laughs> Clear the room. Everyone has better things to do. However, that being said, I will drop a little spoiler in your lap and tell you that in the next episode of Select Game, my oldest becomes Player Two. He will become the first Player Two in the history of this podcast because there are Odyssey 2 games you really can't play by yourself, or at least you can't play very well, as I demonstrated with baseball in the second installment of Select Game. So it's nice to have another player. I just couldn't get him on board to play Math and Magic with me. Oh, Dad. So without further ado, let's jump straight into this week's first cartridge, Math and Magic and Echo. It has been so long since I messed with Math and Magic, or Echo for that matter, that I have to dig out the booklet Press 1 on the alphanumeric keyboard for conventional math problems. The computer will ask you if you want to add, subtract, multiply, or divide. Press the appropriate symbol on the alpha Press the appropriate symbol on the alphanumeric keyboard. The computer will then ask you to select a skill level from 1 to 3. The higher the number, the harder the problem. The uh, neat thing about the Odyssey 2 keyboard is it has the mathematical functions they have dedicated keys on the keyboard, so it's really uh, surprisingly well suited to these sort of games. I'm going to choose a simple multiplication problem. Seven times four, and the clock is running up in the upper left-hand corner. The answer is 28. You hit enter. Hey! I can multiply. One times five equals five. Oh, look at me. 7 times 4 is still 28. There's not much randomization going on here, apparently. 1 times 6 equals 6. 7 times 5 would be 35. 2 times 7, that would be 14. 2 times 7, again. Uh, I'm pretty sure it's still 14. 2 times 9 is 18. So as you can see, we're uh, running into a lot of repeated Okay, I got 10 right. Oh, and now it's upping the skill level. Still multiplication questions because that's all I have asked it for. 
I suppose I could be more helpful and tell you what the problems are it's giving me. 5 times 5 is 25. 9 times 3 is second time it's asked me that. 27. 0 times 7 equals 0. 1 times 9 equals 9. Exit state left. Alright, so that's math and magic. It's pretty straightforward. And it is kind of dull. <laughs> you can see why this was absolutely a favorite at my house. Alright, pressing 4 at the select game screen will get you Echo. Basically, if you've ever heard of the handheld game Simon, you know the drill with Echo. It shows you numbers, I believe it's 1 through 4. Yeah, 1 through 4. And it'll play a little tune. You have to remember it. Let's give it a go. Four. Four. Four times two. And what you're hearing... pushing the numbers and repeating. What the Odyssey has just played. to tell us more about it. This is one of the... Basically, that's, that's enough of me concentrating on the game and not talking. Sorry about that. Echo is, you know, like I said, basically it's Simon. Now, here's what's funny about Echo basically being an Odyssey 2 game of Simon. The electronic game Simon was created and patented by Ralph Bayer. Ralph Bayer, of course, was the inventor of the first home video game system, the Magnavox Odyssey, of which the Odyssey 2 is a descendant.
The Odyssey 2 actually started out as a dedicated console called the Odyssey 5000. It was not going to have a cartridge slot. It was going to have 24 built-in games using the fixed character set that we all know and love so well from the Odyssey 2. It's going to have tank games and things like that. And I believe this, the Odyssey 5000 did actually make it to market in Europe as the Odyssey 2100. So it did see the light of day overseas. But it didn't here, because around the time that Magnavox was looking at putting the Odyssey 5000 in stores, two things had happened. Fairchild had rolled out the Fairchild Video Entertainment System, later renamed Channel F, which was a cartridge-driven system that had games that you could change out, swap out, and therefore they could start to do the video game business on the razor and blade business model where you keep making money by selling more software that the console will play. Also, Atari had abandoned its own early not that programmable programmable game system called the Game Brain in favor of a project internally codenamed Stella which, as we all know, became the Atari Video Computer System, which was later renamed the Atari 2600 for its model number, CX2600. The fact that Fairchild and Atari both saw some modest success with a cartridge-based game business model sent Magnavox into uh, a little bit of a panic they were thinking, oh, and all we've got is this thing that just plays 24 games, and that's really neat, but obviously the, the paradigm has changed under our feet. And they were strongly considering just getting out of the business. They had milked the Odyssey name for all it was worth. It was felt in some corners at Magnavox, and there was no need to keep trying. The the middle odysseys, as I call them, which were the Odyssey 100 through 4000 video game consoles, which were all dedicated games that played various flavors of Pong, sometimes disguised as other sports, with varying degrees of complexity. The, the middle odysseys had been somewhat successful, but after Atari got its Pong console into Sears stores, that that complicated things because that gave Atari a distribution channel that the Odyssey products really didn't necessarily have across the board. You could get Magnavox TVs most anywhere. But at the time, in the early 70s, you have to keep in mind that the thinking was among your electronics manufacturers that you were not only selling products, you were trying to keep the specialized dealership chains alive. It was instead suggested that the Odyssey 5000 be scrapped in favor of an actual programmable system built around Intel's 8048 chip. Future Odyssey 2 programmer Ed Averett helped to secure the, the deal between Magnavox and Intel that got Magnavox 
the supply of the 8048 chip that is the Odyssey 2 CPU. One of the very first, actually the very first game programmed for the Odyssey 2 as a cartridge, as a demonstration that this was a viable, this was a viable alternative to the Odyssey 5000, was a simple pinball game. The pinball game was coded in part by Ralph Baer. In an effort to demonstrate that coding games for the 8048 chip, as limited as it seemed, was not necessarily the dead end that some at Magnavox claimed it was. And in rolling out that rather hastily programmed demo game, Ralph Baer basically saved the Odyssey 2 from cancellation. And so it's somehow fitting, really, that we basically have a version of Simon, which was created by Ralph Baer, which runs on the Odyssey 2, a project that Magnavox would have canned in 1977, over a year before it was released, if not for the intervention of Ralph Baer. I like little parallels like this. There, there is probably no significance to it. The pattern is all in my head. It's a series of coincidences, but it's kind of a neat one, if you ask me. So, there you go, Math Magic and Echo. This 2 for Cartridge was released in 1978, and it is one of many, many games in the Odyssey 2 library, programmed by Ed Averett. So now that we've had our... Now that we've gotten hooked on math, now that we've gone out in the desert and started a math lab, let's, uh... Let's match up some shapes. Our next game is called... I've got your number. I have a feeling this was intended for younger players because it, it's very basic. Very basic, <laughs> to say the least. Shape and number matching. So we're probably talking about you know, maybe three or four year old players here. This game came out in 1979, also programmed by Ed Averett. And whereas Mathematic and Echo was known overseas as Mathematician and Echo, I've Got Your Number was known by a wildly different name in Europe, where it was released as Play School Maths. So, I've Got Your Number. Now I've got your game. All right, the blurb on the back of the box. This is particularly hilarious. I've got your number. Once upon a time, far into the future, the brilliant Professor Nimbledome will make basic arithmetic more fun than bubblegum. He will write the problems on his electronic blackboard and then put possible answers into orbit. The students will have to run an exciting electronic race for the correct answer to score their points. Professor Nimbledome's electronic blackboard will be so sophisticated that it will even identify the math proficiency of its players. It will, offer, it will offer challenges at that level and slightly above. By special arrangement with the United Planets Time Travel Commission, you can play with this bit of tomorrow today. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> it's just... Wow. You know, I, I don't know if Bradford and Coote 
or if Magnavox generated this stuff internally or you know or if the Bradford and Coote marketing agency that did most of their packaging handled that sort of thing but wow okay let's play the game press one okay basically what you've got is you've got a couple of dudes they are standing on top of squares within which there are numbers that is they are uh, the numbers correspond to the color of each player and that is of course the score there are two clusters of shapes and numbers uh, shapes on top numbers on bottom and at the bottom of the screen there is an equation okay it is showing me two of the standard Odyssey 2 ball shapes equals two question mark so I think the object. I'm going to try to control both of these guys. So, two balls equals number two balls. Basically, you're trying to come up with sort of an algebraic equation. Three backslashes. Oh, tricky. They've got forward slashes in the mix, too. Three trees equals question mark tree symbol. Oh, so three tree symbols equals we're looking for the number three. All right. Four right triangles plus three right triangles equals seven right triangles. Now, the funny thing is because the, the possible answers are circling around, you could, it, you could conceivably accidentally collide with the wrong answer and it have nothing to do with your skill level. It'll have more to do with your hand-eye coordination. Four right triangles plus two right triangles equals six right triangles. Let's get one wrong. I forgot that. The <laughs> I haven't played this in a long time. I forgot that. Yeah, you get one wrong, and your man goes back to the square that <laughs> that he starts the game on, and he hangs his head like he's sulking. That's that's kind of funny. <laughs> anyway, that's I've got your number. As I've pointed out, it is a lot like Invaders from Hyperspace, except Invaders from Hyperspace, which also uses this this uh, setup of two, two sets of orbiting objects basically is a space game that is asking you to match colors. So, which one is more fun? I don't know. I really wish, I really wish I could have gotten one of the boys to try these out to see, uh, kind of get a feel for how well they picked up on the concept. Because, basically, I was sitting here thinking I've got your number, and I recorded the intro saying this, that I've got your number as a very, very basic math game, like, uh, you know, maybe preschool or first grade math. No, this is more like, uh, it's kind of throwing a little algebra concept at you. That's kind of neat. Kudos to them. I, uh... I had forgotten this game. I, maybe I should start playing, start playing these things before I play them, if you know what I mean. And you know, then I would not be caught flat-footed. 
by these when I actually do play them. And there you have it. I've got your number. Really, I do. Fairly simple game, and as I noticed, I'm, I'm pretty certain they reused the code for this elsewhere. Finally, this is a game that really there is no point in me sitting down in front of the TV to play it because it it's not really a game. It's more of a it's it's kind of like a utility. So I'm just going to talk you through this one. Keyboard Creations was released in 1981, so it's kind of an it's kind of an oddity in the Odyssey 2 library because by that point the emphasis was on games, full stop. The only educational games that came out once you got past 1980 or so were the ones that were launch titles that came that came out at the same time as the Voice of Odyssey 2, which were Sid the Spellbinder and Nimble Numbers Ned. Keyboard Creations predates the voice, and it's it's really not... I can't say it's an educational title. Overseas, it was released under the title Newscaster, which I find very interesting because this sort of ties in with what it does. Keyboard Creations lets you set up basically a scrolling... You know, basically one of these scrolling LED signs that you see in shops that people can program you could use an Odyssey 2 and a TV to do that. You could set up the time so it would have a constantly running correct digital clock on the display. You could set up special messages that would interrupt the main scroll at certain times. Or maybe every so often. You could set it up for, if I recall correctly, every 15 minutes. Let me actually dig out the cartridge. Oh, wow, this one has a price tag on it. It has two price tags on it. Oh, this is glorious. This is glorious. This is some serious Easter egg stuff. I'm going to uh, I'm gonna have to take a picture of this one and post it with this entry. Where did we get... Uh, there was a place in Fort Smith that was primarily, it was one of the very first video rental places, if I remember correctly. It was kind of video rentals and electronics. And they wound up carrying some of the underdog video game consoles software, including the Odyssey 2. I distinctly remember them also having Arcadia 2001 games there. And they, picked, they got into the game late. It's like they got someone else's overstock and tried to tried to sell it. This was originally priced at $22.95. By the time we got it, it was marked down to $16.30. Owner's oh, price tag on the side, $22.95. Read the blurb on the back. Keyboard creations. It turns your words into a light show that travels across your TV screen. It, it, it's a scroll. It's like, it's like if you took uh, an old weather warning from a broadcast TV station 
and ran it across the middle of the screen instead of the bottom. In fact, I used to play around and do stuff like that. You know, I wait for, because in Arkansas, you are probably never more than about four days away during the springtime from your next thunderstorm watch. And so I would get all excited about this stuff and I would punch up, you know, as much of the thunderstorm watch bulletin as I could into the 99 characters that the game holds in memory for your primary message. Commercial messages for businesses, televised special occasions, word and math games, really? And here's, here's what I think this cartridge was really about, home video titles. By 1981, there were VCRs starting to pop up across the country. At that point in 1981, in America at least, we're still talking about three and four hundred dollars worth of technology there. But people would get those, and they would get some of the first generation of video cameras, which in those days, home video cameras, basically it meant you had a, a camera that was more or less in the same format as an 8mm film movie camera. It had a handle. You could put it on your shoulder, or you could just hold it out in front of you by the handle. But you would also have a portable video recorder that you would wear on the opposite shoulder on a strap, kind of like a purse. This thing would be battery powered, it would inevitably be a battery hog, and it would weigh a ton. And the funny thing is, I later went to work in television, and that form factor, camera on your shoulder, plugged into a portable video recorder slung over your other shoulder, that form factor was still in effect, except we're talking there about three-quarter inch tapes, which were huger and heavier than VHS or Beta. And that would just about ruin you after half an hour of walking around doing any sort of news coverage or a commercial shoot or anything with this double whammy taking up both of your shoulders. I'm sure that the intention was that, hey, People will either point their video cameras at their screens and record the Odyssey 2 things, you know, scrolling these messages across, or they will somehow figure out how to wire it directly into a VCR, which is possible. You can take virtually any RF video game system, plug the you know, plug the screw terminals in, not to the TV, but into a 75 to 300 ohm converter, and then plug that converter into the cable port that is now on the back of most TVs and has been since the late 80s. And you can get a direct feed that way. Um, I know this because I've done entire video game documentaries where I was recording stuff straight from real hardware direct to the video editing system that I was using at the time, which is sadly no longer with me because of that legendary bad weather that I keep talking about in this part of the States. Keyboard Creations is, I, you know, I can't say it changed my life at the time, but maybe I shouldn't be so sure about that. Because one of the things that you know, once I was working in TV, one of the things that got me pulled out of the ranks of board ops 
you know, which are basically the people who play commercials way too loud in your favorite shows and, you know, play the wrong things and mess everything up while you're watching. I started out, as many people in television do, as a board op and eventually found my way into commercial production and promotions. One of the things that got me plucked out of the the board op quagmire, which is a place that you can find yourself staying much, you know, for years longer than you want to. One of the things that got me out of the the board op ranks was that I had an aptitude for television graphic systems. Because my fascination with being able to control what was on a TV screen, and I talked about this way back when we were discussing CryptoLogic, which would let you type stuff out on a blank screen, which I found endlessly fascinating, probably much more fascinating than I should have found it. But there you go. That fascination continued through things like keyboard creations, and it culminated, really, at least for a while, in plugging the video output of an Apple II directly into a VCR and recording anything that I could put on an Apple II screen. Now that led directly into extremely amateurish filmmaking and trying to <laughs> trying to doll up extremely amateurish filmmaking with something that looked like real titles. And that aptitude later turned into a career, at least for 25 or so years. Because I got into broadcasting while I was still in school. I, I was in broadcasting before I graduated high school. So I can kind of laugh about keyboard creations not being that big a deal. But the reality of it is, it probably had more of a seismic impact on my life than I am perhaps giving it credit for. Unfortunately, I don't know who to thank for this because my list of programmers who worked on Odyssey 2 games that I refer to here, I do not have a programmer credit for keyboard creations. Whoever you are, step forth. Claim your prize. My career, you can have it, because I don't anymore. Because broadcast TV is slowly dying, like local radio. But more on that later. As I used to say when I was working in the TV news business, for more on this story, and we do mean more on, we now go to... So, <laughs> there you have it. There's, you know, there's really... Keyboard creations is something you have to see, and not here. And maybe what I'll do is I distinctly remember in one of the Phosphor.Fossils DVDs doing a little piece on keyboard creations. Maybe I will pluck that off of one of the DVDs and post it on my YouTube channel so you can watch it. If you like what you see, hey, the Phosphor.Fossils videos are still very much readily available from the logbook.com store. Man, I'm just plugging my stuff left and right tonight like I'm some sort of successful content creator. Anyway, there you go. Our edutainment titles. I thought I'd get those out of the way early. And sadly, I could not get anyone to join me in playing them. 
go figure. That's it for this latest edition of Select Game. Next month, the podcast will not be late. You know why? Because the gameplay segments have already been recorded. And that's because me and little E are going mano a mano. I'll see you next month on Select Game. Thank you for listening. Be sure to enjoy some of the other podcasts I crank out, which are also late this month, over at thelogbook.com. I know right after this I'm going to be recording this month's grand theme of things, which is my monthly soundtrack podcast, which now has its own section on the site, now has its own RSS feed. It is not... It is not without RSS feed, which was a problem with where it was. It used to be a confined to a single page of my music section on my website. Now it has its own its own little mini site. You can see that at thelogbook.com slash grand theme. It awaits you. Until next time, thanks for listening. Game on. That's all the time we have for the Select Game Podcast. You can hear Select Game on iTunes, Stitcher, and ThrowbackNetwork.net. And you can also subscribe through the RSS feed. You'll find the podcast itself and occasional goodies associated with it at www.thelogbook.com slash selectgame. If you really dig Select Game, also check out the 365-day-a-year Escape Pod Geek History Podcast at thelogbook.com. And donations toward the site's upkeep are always gladly accepted at PayPal, or via my Amazon wish lists. You can also support the podcast by buying select game t-shirts and other goodies at redbubble.com. Look under user the logbook. Phosphor.fossils, a comprehensive timeline of the golden era of video games, including the Odyssey 2, can be downloaded at thelogbook.com, which is also where you can find the books I've written about Doctor Who, Warp 1 and Warp 2. Feel free to drop me a line at the Facebook page for thelogbook.com, via Twitter at logbookguy, or email me at earl at thelogbook.com. Select Game Expanded Memories of the Odyssey 2 is a production of thelogbook.com and was written and produced by Earl Green. Music performed by Kasatochi, available for free download at thelogbook.com.